2020, and it's special from Dax McCarty. Farewell to Dax McCarty. Hello to Hot Tim Winter. It is here, and this is Club and Country, the place to talk about it. Hot Tim Winter referring, of course, to the off season. I don't know. Hot, it's just everybody knows. I was, I was Hot Tim, Tim Winter Sullivan. is just like a known for phrase. Tim's, yeah. Tim Sullivan was what I was shooting for there. For you uh, to yes. identify yourself. Oh, hello. I am Tim Sullivan, the proprietor of ClubCountryUSA.com and the um, un- unfortunate off the top of my head phrase, Hot Tim Winter sprung, uh, I think two years ago even. And, yeah. and here we are. <laughs> here we are. I'm Wes Bowling. I uh, covered the club on radio for a bit uh, in writing for a bit before that. Uh, this is Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage for the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. That's what I get for going out of order with the intro. You uh, don't realize I'm asking <laughs> you to say your name, which... Yeah. As we're off to a fortuitous start, I suppose. Um, but hey, roster decisions are out. We'll get into all of it, and we'll talk about it at a high level. You go into every single roster move that, that Nashville has made so far. Before we do that, Tim, we put you on the spot here. What was your favorite Dax McCarty moment for Nashville SC? Um, getting choked out by Maxi Morales was pretty good, <laughs> huh? <laughs> the featherweight battle uh, between yeah. the two, five six, uh, at least on paper, maybe short. Um, Maxi's like five one. <laughs> yeah, on paper, being the keywords there. Yeah, if you don't know what we're talking about, look up twenty twenty one Nashville SC versus NYCFC at Nissan Stadium. That was that was epic. Uh, I'll I'll go with the first time I ever met Dax. I, we were at the expansion draft and he'd already been announced as the captain and was on board this is like what december of uh of 19 i guess before the 2020 mm-hmm. season and i'm standing and i'm watching the expansion draft from the wings was you know going to interview mike and gary afterward and all that stuff but this kid kept standing in my way and it was really kind of annoying like what are you doing here you don't have a credential on why are you in the media area why are you i mean he wasn't really blocking my view because he was a lot shorter than i was but he was kind of milling about like why is this why is this kid here and they said ladies and gentlemen we'd like to hear a word now from your captain dax mccarty and the kid <laughs> stepped up and stepped up to the mic uh the kid was dax mccarty um that was my introduction to to dax when you see how diminutive he is tim it's, it's it, his his dynamicism on the pitch is even more impressive i go back to the goal against miami in the 2020 playoff mm-hmm. play-in game where he just goes 60 yards untouched and and slots it in past blaze matweedy I mean, to me, that's got to be the signature moment for Dax for me. Yeah, for a guy who's not known for being a goal scorer, at least not in this phase of his career, um, he's got some iconic, some pretty iconic goals. The headed goal against Atlanta, I believe, yep. in 2020, was it? In the it was the 4-2 win. 4-2, win. yeah. 4-2, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's bittersweet to see him go because the reason he's going is because he he has options <laughs> to do what he would like to do with the, the remaining years of his career, but also... Um, it, it's bitter because he's gone uh, in all likelihood, and, and we'll get into that as well. Yeah, some reporting from Tom Bogart that perhaps McCarty wanted a multi-year deal. did not appear that that was going to happen in Nashville. Dax on the way out, Fafa Pico on the way out, two of many moves that we will get into. Before we get into those, Tim, let's start at a high level. These moves that Nashville has made, Dax, Fafa, letting go of a few players, signing a few through the season that we thought might be out uh, or, or you know, depending on options or out of contract that, that apparently are not. What do these moves tell you, if anything, about NSC's intentions for 2024? Yeah, I think you you see a clear effort that either talent or youthfulness needs to be upgraded at basically every position group on the roster. In the past years, I think we've seen this club stick 
with the status quo. They have wanted to keep that core of players together, and that has really helped to have a cohesive locker room. There's no question that we have seen uh, four groups of guys that absolutely love each other so far, and I, I think we will still see a fifth next year. But this offseason, you can see that that a great locker room is is not going to be good enough. The club needs to make moves if it wants to reach new heights. And and whether that is uh you know youthfulness, whether that is adding more talent, um, they are it has to each move has to serve one or the other of those uh, you know goals. That's the risk reward proposition that makes this offseason scary but exciting, I think, for Nashville SC, which is that when you remove a Dax McCarty from the team or a Fafa Pico, you are removing an element of your floor, which was a high floor who comes in. Do they raise the ceiling or does the floor fall out beneath you? And all of a sudden you're risking losing that stability that Dax provided a guy who's going to go stump Rahani Mukhtar, for instance, uh, unsolicited, you know, in a post-game press conference for MVP last year, a guy who's going to come up and, and scream into the microphone again last year that this isn't good enough. And we know that, and the fans should be ashamed of us. Uh, that guy losing that guy, whether justified or not, is it's a big loss. So very interested to uh, to see what that means. Uh, we'll today further assess uh, Dax's impact on the team. Also talk about a potential new addition, as reported uh, throughout Major League Soccer media, uh, as the trade uh, um, window opens here in the coming days, in about a week. Uh, we'll talk about every single move that Nashville SC announced in its roster decision announcement. Uh, we'll get into your mailbag questions, which not surprisingly revolve around a lot of those moves. Uh, the launch pad. Uh, Huntsville's going to look a lot different next year. Are we surprised? And what does that mean? And finally, MLS Cup is set. We'll take you outside in. But first, Tim, uh, we promised we would do this. And the response was, I think, pretty, pretty overwhelming, honestly. Uh, a lot of you got your Spotify wrapped uh, and screens and we were number one or on that top five podcast list. Uh, we want to thank those of you by name who shared those with us. Justin Malisle, Logan Elliott, Kevin Morrison, Evan Bull, Sam McAnally, Jared Siemens, David, uh, Joel, uh, Wyatt. It, it, we were not in his rap because he's an Apple podcast listener and he apologized for that. And Hey, that's okay. I'm an overcast guy myself. So uh, guys, thank you so much for listening yeah. and for sharing that. I mean, Tim, I won't speak for you, but at least from my standpoint, that community that, that we've yeah. become a part of here is the best thing about doing what we do. Yeah, and I was going to say, I, I really like the uh, the Venn diagram of of guys who have us in their Sp- Spotify wrapped. And it is all guys that, that we listed here. Come on, ladies, you got to tag us Let's as go. well in, in yeah. your Spotify wrapped. But, and people who ask a lot of mailbag questions, Um, obviously, I think pretty much everybody uh, recognizes Logan and Wyatt's <laughs> names in there. But yep. um, yeah, it's, it's really cool that, that people uh, get to hear us answer their questions, I guess, but also want to be a part of the podcast and and kind of put their money where their mouth is by, by listening to probably every single episode. So thank you to all those guys. Thank you guys so much. And if you're just now unwrapping your Spotify wraps and you, uh, you see us uh, listed, then go ahead and, uh, and tag us on Twitter as well. And, and Spotify does not sponsor this podcast, whatever, whatever podcast <laughs> app Wes said he uses overcast. Uh, uh, obviously some people use Apple podcasts like Wyatt. Uh, let us know if, if uh, your, your app of choice tells you that yeah. you listen to a ton of us this year. Yeah. And for those who like the show, uh, whether or not we appear in your curated list of, of who you listen to the most, hop on Apple Podcasts and give us a quick rating, a review. You can subscribe, of course. Um, Spotify has a rating system as well. So since we're talking about apparently our new corporate sponsor, uh, <laughs> Spotify, you can do that there too. And uh, we would encourage you to do that. We usually say that at the end of the show, but but really it does mean a lot. And I'm going to 
put in a spirit of healthy competition here. Uh, Pod Bless Nashville, great show hosted by Braden Gall and Jamie Holland. Talk about current uh, Nashville issues, policy issues. Uh, they just got to 100 ratings and reviews, and they've been around less than a year. We are shy of that. Now, part of the reason is that Jamie apparently is a competitive, you know what, and has been pushing that pretty hard. So we're going to push <laughs> that too. Uh, if you've not given us a rating or a review, then please do that. And we would certainly appreciate hearing from you and, and getting your feedback, especially if it's five stars. Otherwise, don't bother. Um, Tim, other business before we get into the heart of the show, um, ML Rose. That that's my that's my lead in today. <laughs> yes, ML Rose. Uh, it's time for us to mention somebody who actually does sponsor the podcast, for which we are very grateful <laughs> to, our, to our friends at ML Rose. Um, you know, several locations throughout Nashville, um, including one that is not in Nashville, is out in Lebanon, Mount Juliet. Mount Juliet did the thing. same thing to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> so sorry, guys. Uh, so, so thank you to ML Rose for sponsoring it. If you listen to this podcast and if you have given us a five-star rating or if you listen to this podcast and you have not given us a five-star rating, whether we are or are not on your uh, season end wrap of your podcast app of choice, go to ML Rose, check them out, told, tell them that we sent you um, and and you will not regret that <laughs> that you have taken us up on this on this idea because ML Rose is is not just the the place that sponsors this podcast but it is a place that uh, we we want to sponsor us because we believe in their um, their burgers we believe in their beers we believe in their cocktails and we are very excited to have them uh, you know supporting us um, and we're glad to support them as well. Big believers in their values as well, the way they go about their business. And later on in the show, we're going to tell you about a way that you can celebrate with ML Rose and celebrate those values and the value that ML Rose has had to the community now for um, 15 years. I guess I just ruined how you can celebrate or what you're celebrating. It's their 15 year anniversary, <laughs> but there's a special way you can celebrate that uh, and perhaps even with us here soon. Uh, but getting into the early shout, Tim, the, the big nugget, of course, uh, that, that Nashville SC's ecosystem is talking about is the departure of Dax McCarty. We talked a bit about our favorite Dax moments and what he means to this team. Are you surprised that he won't be back, that Nashville didn't try to come to an agreement with him, at least according to reports, um, any surprise there? Or do you think this is the way this was always going to go? Yeah, I mean, I'm a little surprised just because I thought he would retire in gold, whether that was this offseason or in the distant future. It really did feel like we wouldn't see him play anywhere else to close his career. Um, I mean, with that said, though, that the hashtag Dax course has been a regular feature here on this podcast and everywhere else in the Nashville SC world. Any place that people talk about this club, uh, the discussion has has been, you know, how much time does this guy have left as a high level every game starter sort of player? Um, it's clear that even though I I think we agree that 2023 was a bit of a bounce back after 2022 was not his best year, that he's not that sort of talisman player anymore. Um, and I think you can look at what what we said at the top about what Nashville SC's roster moves mean. It's 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 called show business. It's not called show friends and. Uh, Nashville needs to make some business decisions here and there. And unfortunately, um, Dax appears to be on the wrong end of one. Yeah, if reports from Tom Bogart and elsewhere are correct that that Dax was seeking a multi-year deal, then I think I can understand Nashville saying, you know what, we love you. You've always got a place here, but that's not something we, we're in position to do. I think this is a midfield that needs, um, needs to evolve. And I, I think you know, it is a shame because it was a much better version of Dax this year for the mm -hmm. most part than, than, you know, through a lot of 22 that said, Dax told us on this podcast back in 2021, look, you know, if I ever look at my play and say, I don't recognize that guy. I'm embarrassed by, by what I see on film. I'm out. 
I don't think that's the Dax McCarty we saw this year. I think he can be proud and he can be um, be bullish on his future. Uh, one one interesting note here, as we look through some like Dax career stats, um, Gary Smith has only used four field players uh, more in his entire career than Dax McCarty. And every field player or keeper in the top 10, either coaches for Gary Smith <laughs> right now, <laughs> Uh, or alongside him, or is a manager in Major League Soccer. Now, part of that, of course, is the nature of veteran players. The longer somebody plays, the more likely they're maybe going to continue their career in the league after their playing career. But I thought that was telling, and I would hope, perhaps, that uh, that Dax McCarty has a future wearing gold in some other capacity, or maybe for Apple TV. It's just not going to be next year, and good for him. All right, we got Pablo Mastroeni, we got Kosuke Kimura, we've got Matt Pickens. Uh... I don't I don't think Guppy I guess Guppy was only an assistant, right? He didn't yeah, play for right. Him. Right. You you uh, named you named the ones that are out of yeah. the league now. The others are all still playing in the oh, okay, for Nash Felici. Okay. okay. Um, so there are other guys that are with the team still. Okay. Yeah. You got a guess for number one there? And I'll include uh I will ex- excluding keepers. Actually, you can include include or exclude keepers on this. So I just ruined that it's not a keeper, I guess. So yeah, so it's not Joe Willis. Uh right. oh boy. I don't know. Kosuke. I'm stumped. Kosuke. Oh, oh, including Kosuke. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Including yeah, Kosuke. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Colorado, Nashville, uh, USL. Um, I don't think he was a silverback, was he? I don't think he ever played think so. silverbacks, but that's the lost, the lost era of Gary Smith. <laughs> I think for him too. Um, all right. How does Nashville replace this guy? How, how do you replace a Dax McCarty? Uh, by by committee, in all likelihood, um, it's it's clear that Nashville brought in his replacement a couple years ago. Uh, it was also clear at the time that he was he's good friends with Sean Davis. Don't get me wrong, but he was not happy to feel like he was being replaced at that time. Um, but uh, in the past couple of years, we've also seen that Sean Davis is just part of the answer. You need more than just Sean Davis because Dax McCarty is is that good of a player at his best, and so you need uh, both Sean Davis's contributions, and then you also are going to need. Anibal Godoy to get back to what he's been. You're going to need maybe some new uh, similar style players to, to what Dax has provided over the years. You really just can't do it with one guy, and I don't think Nashville intends to. This sets Sean Davis free a little bit, I think, and it <clears throat> might change these tactics a bit. With Dax in the lineup, you're always going to have him be you know, the anchor of that diamond, sitting between the center backs, saving his legs, using his vision. And while Nashville will miss that, I think there are some easy tactical tweaks they can employ to on the pitch uh, compensate for his absence off the pitch. It's certainly much tougher Uh, more than 800, sorry, 8,600 minutes in gold. Second, most of anywhere Dax has played only uh, second to New York Red Bulls. If he'd played another full season for Nashville though, I think he would have passed those Red Bulls numbers. That's uh, which is funny because you think of him as a career Red Bull who just kind of had a closing act in Nashville. Uh, 121 of Nashville's 147 all-time contests featured Dax McCarty either as a starter or a reserve who entered the match. That's 82% of Nashville's games in all competitions. Uh, This stat wasn't as eye-popping as I thought, but still means something, I think. Uh, Nashville won just 37% of the league matches in which Dax did not start. It's 14 of 38 uh, league matches. The club's won 40% of his matches, its matches overall. So, uh, you know, Dax contributed, of course, uh, you know, in in an outsized way to the success of this club. and uh, yeah, then the other one, the other stat I already mentioned that, that Dax uh, fifth place in field players all time minutes played for Gary Smith. 
Uh, hate to see him go, but maybe we'll try to catch up with him down the road, especially once he has a landing spot. Could be our first uh, former Nashville SC player interview. Could be a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, you know, if he if he is able to find the place that that can give him the deal that he wants, nobody will be happier for Dax than we will. Um, mm-hmm. He's a great dude. Uh, people can go back and listen and listen when he's been on this podcast. He's a great interview and somebody that um, is not. He's he's able to do the coach speak, but he's not going to insist on using coach speak. He's somebody who's going to speak honestly. And that I think is something that both of us appreciate. So, um, you know, wh- wherever he ends up for the next uh, couple of years of his career, um, best of luck to Dax. We'll, we'll be rooting for him unless he's on the opposite sideline. <laughs> he was a good sport too. When we, uh, we asked him a couple questions. I don't think the club was thrilled that we asked uh, back when we had him on the podcast. We asked about his, his uh, half a round skirmish with uh, Max Morales. I don't think he'd win a full round. And uh, he was he was a good sport. The club had to know we were going to ask that, right? Yeah. Uh, Dax had to know, uh, and uh, yeah, he gave a great answer. <laughs> always always good to us. Great to cover, and wish him the best of luck. Now, of course, we we talked last week, and we're critical of the club's timing and releasing roster decisions. They actually got these out, yeah, like two days after we criticized them. So fair play to them; they got them out before a lot of other clubs did. So props to Nashville SC for doing that. It was not as delayed. Uh, and I think reasonable timeline, Tim, because they were still a day before the deadline, I think, for declining options. They went ahead and announced yeah. that. So um, the thing we did say was maybe they're waiting until there's something they can leak or announce on the positive side of the ledger. And sure enough, that appears to be, if not their intention, it's at least what happened. Drew Yearwood, uh, reported by Tom Bogert. Uh, he, he cites league sources that Yearwood, central mid from New York Red Bulls, is on his way in via trade when the trade window opens next week. Uh, we'll give you a bit of information about Yearwood. Uh, we'll go first with Logan Elliott's question. Thank you, Helen Thomas. Um, do you all see Drew Yearwood as the Dax replacement, or do you think Nashville uh, still needs to bring in another midfielder this offseason? Tim, uh, this is my part of the question, not Logan's. What is Yearwood's positional profile compared to what Dax did? Yeah, I think he's he's a lot like a younger version of Dax. Uh, he's a natural holding mid, but he has the athleticism and, and a lot of the time the desire to get forward. He's he's a little bit more natural being able to play out wide as well. Dax obviously could play there. We saw him play there at times with Nashville SC. He would play the right mid in a, in a flat 4-4-2 the first couple of years uh, as a changeup for Nashville SC. But the thing is, Yearwood can be stylistically similar, but not be as skilled as Dax on the ball. And I will, I will say... Uh, pretty unequivocally that he is not as skilled as Dax at his best on, on the ball. But um, yeah, that's that, that sort of style of player that you're going to see is not that different. Um, these are guys that um, obviously Dax didn't come up in the Red Bull system and, and Yearwood didn't really either. He's been there for a few years, but he's an English guy who um, did not come up in the Red Bull Academy or anything like that. But um, we've talked about it. We talked about it last week and we, we both named guys that we could see Nashville bringing over from Red Bulls. Um, and we did not, neither of us named Yearwood, but we said free agents. We didn't say trade. So, so give us credit there. But I do think there's something to bringing guys in that have a bit of at least that Red Bull seasoning that, that Nashville really likes. They, they see it as building a skill set that can help guys succeed here. And Yearwood brings that. Yeah, especially in the middle to back half of the pitch. Uh, mm-hmm. When you look at, of course, Dax, <laughs> you, don't bring, you don't want to bring um, in a, a Red Bull striker, no. <laughs> not so much. Not really the <laughs> the aspiration. But I think, you know, when you look at Nashville, what Nashville does in their back seven, really, the repress is a huge part of what they do. And, and when you lose possession, you want to create that pressure and immediately try to win it back. And you're what I think fits that model well of a player who can play in the final third 
Um, I don't think he's going to lead Nashville SC in assists, but he can create that pressure and really help turn up the heat in the engine room. Four-year MLS vet, as you mentioned, 99 appearances in all comps for Red Bulls. Uh, so the first minute that he plays for Nashville, he'll make his 100th appearance for an MLS team in all comps uh, for what that's worth. Uh, he played 140 minutes against NSC, including starting alongside Sean Davis in the 1-1 decision day draw at Nissan Stadium to end 2021. Uh, he once went to full 90 against Leicester City in the FA Cup. That's random. Uh, he did not play against Jamie Vardy or Mares or <laughs> any of those studs at that point. But uh, just a fun one to mention. Uh, so uh, Drew Yearwood coming in, former young DP, still 23 years old. And Tim, I think this club sees young legs and development capability in a guy who fits the profile of what they need. Yeah, and a big thing to keep in mind is this is a club that is going to do the money ball stuff well. Yearwood picked up his green card in February, so he counts as a domestic player Ooh, good for Nashville's purposes, and that's that's really going to be helpful. Um, we don't know what Nashville is sending to Red Bulls in terms of assets for Yearwood's contract. We will not find out until the trade window opens in all likelihood. Um, the fact that Bogert knows one under the trade um, probably tells you a little bit <laughs> of something about, about what, uh, what kind of the sourcing is on this, but yeah. it is something that depending on what Nashville shipped to get Yearwood, this could be a really good deal. We saw them pick up a, a former DP um, in preseason last year, and Jan Gregush, and, and uh, you know, it did, didn't work out for Gregush here, but getting guys who are kind of distressed assets because they haven't lived up to a DP profile is, is precisely in the money ball um, kind of philosophy that Mike Jacobs uses because the, the potential is there. The talent is there and you could po- perhaps coax young DP or DP level uh, contributions out of a guy like Yearwood. Right, that'd be great. Uh, we'll find out and we might get a little more specific on that question here uh, later on the show because a couple of you asked those kinds of questions in the mailbag. So Drew, Drew Yearwood coming in. One one other question I have for you. I mean, is this is he in Nashville starting 11 day one next year without knowing the other roster moves Nashville is going to make? Is this the ambition is to have Yearwood, you think, in the starting 11 as a fixture, or is he a spot starter who they can have no problem putting in in the 60th or beginning a game with? I think Anibal Godoy and Sean Davis are in the starting lineup. It really depends on what Nashville wants to do formationally. And maybe this is a giveaway that they they want to stick with that diamond that they went with so much this year. You can put Davis or Godoy at the base and have Yearwood play out on the right where he is very comfortable playing. It's where he has historically played. It could be an indication that that's what they want to do. But I do think you are going to see um, those two returning central midfielders be in the starting lineup. And it, it his position in the starting lineup comes down to whether uh, there is a formation that is amenable to his being in it. And we'll get more tactically into what, what that can mean and how he can work his way onto the pitch. But first let's quickly go through every other move Nashville made. We'll hit the high points. And the other real highlight here is Fafa Pico on his way out. Again, technically Nashville has the opportunity to renegotiate with him in free agency, but Fafa with a goodbye post as well, and seemed to, to really, you know, be, be saying his farewells after one year in Nashville a good year for Fafa, I think, started out very well and then trailed off a little bit, whether it's you know health issues or Nashville's larger struggles in the attack. How would you assess his impact in Nashville and uh, the likelihood you would have assigned to him leaving versus sticking around? I mean, the from an on-field perspective, this is a bigger loss than Dax. At this stage, I would say I think what he brought in terms of, of pace and width was something that Nashville could really use. Um, presumably there are other ideas in the pipeline to replace a guy like him, or maybe it's just a matter of we trust Jacob Schaffelberg can be fully healthy and be 90 minute fit uh, from, for much of next year. So that's the sort of thing that uh, you don't necessarily need a Fafa Pico on your roster, but I think the way Nashville's roster is constructed, it, it doesn't make sense to lose a Fafa Pico. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. 
Yeah, 27 games played, 19 starts for Nashville, five goals, one assist, uh, and a, a, a good year. I think he he absolutely fit what Nashville wanted to do in terms of being a speedy veteran presence who could get in behind and stretch the pitch. Uh, I think Nashville must replace him. I don't think this is a situation with all the love in the world to this guy who only finds his, his way onto our podcast in a negative sense, I feel like. But Alex Wheels, probably not the replacement for Pico. He's probably a you know an option there, of course, um, who's going to be underrated. Uh, but probably not. I'm a not known Alex Mule respecter. Yeah, no, uh, he's so the last few weeks, actually, we, we've kind of talked smack about his uh, attacking ability, but I'm a known Alex Mule respecter. Yeah, no, same, same here. Um, Luke Hawkinson out of contract as well. Do you anticipate Nashville? Well, so, so what are the next stages for him? Because he's probably not free agency eligible yet, right? Is he a re-entry draft candidate? Waivers? What's the? Situation? Yeah, he'd be he'd be a re-entry draft candidate. Yeah. I, I think maybe if you are Minnesota United, that's the sort of player that probably fits on your roster. He's also a, a native of of Minnesota, mm-hmm. so it would make a lot of sense. Um, if you want to kind of which Minnesota United is one of the few teams that that really does want to um have have players that that have a connection whether uh you know the the kind of Finnish Norwegian heritage of of Minnesota or guys who are actually from there it seems to make a lot of sense ironically they are one of the clubs that has like basically zero academy so they're not trying to do that organically yeah. but he would make a lot of sense as as a guy who i think is is has gotten a bad rap from NSC fans i think the the club appropriately valued him in his time here but um, when he did play fans kind of gave him some stick i think he's a nice player who could who could have a role or um if he wants to go be a star in usl i think he probably has that opportunity and ability as well memphis 901 leading scorer luke hawkinson next year <laughs> uh he does have a place in this league i think as a reserve he uh, did that 48 times for nashville started 10 times as well two career goals three assists we'll never forget the two goals that he scored against toronto fc in that come from behind reserve action in 2021, Nashville was down 2 one. He scored twice within a four minute span. I think it was 89th and 93rd minutes and did not ever score again for Nashville. One of two players, by the way, that I can count at least who scored for Nashville against Toronto and then never scored again in their Nashville careers. The uh, other gosh, I can't, I can't Castellanos. remember. He was the center back. I'm not going yeah, to put you yeah. in that position. Yeah. Robert no, I, I knew it. I just couldn't think of his name. <laughs> <laughs> you knew it. You just couldn't think of his name. You remember yeah. it. You just I could see his it. face. I could see his face. Okay. Well, so weird, could the weird lineup haircut. So could the Toronto defenders after that corner. <laughs> <Yeah>. kick. Um, <laughs> Luke Hawkinson out of contract. Best of luck to him. Uh, Nashville will bring back a pair of center backs in Josh Bauer and Lucas McNaughton options exercised there. No surprise, I suppose, right? McNaughton especially. He was a revelation yeah. after uh, compensating for Nick DePew's inability to to play for this team due to injury. Uh, his option, option declined. Uh, Bauer, a situation where I guess Bauer's not a guy you're going to probably start 30 times next year, but you know what you're getting. He's come in and performed admirably when Nashville's needed him to, whether it's in league play or in cup play. I guess a case where your replacement cost is going to be about the same anyway. Might as well keep the guy who you trust, right? Yeah, and we, we talk a lot about guys who are willing to play a smaller role than their talent might um, obviate for some teams. Um, and he's a guy who's willing to to basically be a bench guy as much as you need him to. And he, when he does come in, he shows that he has the talent to potentially be more than that. He's on, um, a, I don't know if it's exactly a senior minimum or effectively a senior minimum salary. So you aren't breaking the bank to have this guy in one of your roster slots. So um, I think he he's not going to be a star, but when you look at you know, building a cohesive roster, which we've talked about Nashville's maybe inability or, or lack of desire to get the right kind of depth. Keeping players like Bauer is keeping the right kind of depth. That mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. 
Uh, Nashville did decline some options. We mentioned Depew a minute ago. Ethan Zubak, uh, a player that we theorized, you know, last week might not be with the club in the future. We recommended Tom Barlow as his replacement. Uh, trade rumors later that day that Barlow may be headed to Chicago. So missed on that one, I suppose. But Zubak's departure, I think probably not a shock, right? Just couldn't mm-hmm. find his way into the lineup, even when Nashville was depleted at times at striker. He never seemed to be the guy that was going to get that nod. Yeah, and I mentioned that um, if if you take off a guy like Zubak, uh, you, you are short one body. You might not be short a guy who's going to contribute a ton. Plug in Academy signing Adam Sipic. You probably have a guy who can play the same role and, and maybe not quite as well, but he's also a homegrown player. He's also 16 years old. You have a, a bright future in developing that guy in a way that Zubak um, is, is no longer a developmental prospect. He's a guy who's um, who basically passed those years when he was still with the LA Galaxy and, and mm-hmm. it's certainly passed them now. Just 135 minutes played for Zubak in nine appearances, no starts. His crowning moment for Nashville, the uh, equalizing goal or the winning goal, sorry in uh us open cup play in 22 mm-hmm. against atlanta at home um kimmy amish ahmed longmire lawrence white tyler freeman and nebu perry the other players whose options were declined the one that jumps out to me here is longmire from former first round pick in 22 second year pro uh who just it sounds like just kind of stalled right just was not a guy who was going to probably be a guy you wanted to keep on huntsville's roster forever but mm-hmm. was not going to contribute perhaps for nashville especially with the emergence of a guy like bauer fair yeah and i will will be asked a question about this that that i'm going to get into that a little bit but yeah he's a guy that essentially you didn't see a, an mls future on a timeline that made sense for what the club is trying to do and therefore um he moves along i, I really like his potential you did see him um, make as many headlines for, for getting red cards as you did for for doing great things in MLS Next Pro. So that's a, a little bit of a uh, maybe an indication of of some of the reasons that that it was considered, um, you know, not that big of a loss to, to have to let him go. Give me a Misha, another name, Tim, that I think might be a bit surprising, uh, yeah. just given his performance in Huntsville. Yeah, um, somebody asked about him, but it was not an official mailbag question. I believe it was Tracy Edwards. If I recall correctly, he's a guy who kind of falls in that similar to Longmire, a guy who could contribute at the MLS next pro level for sure, but maybe they didn't see a future at the major league soccer level. Uh, you know, Huntsville is is not just uh, an entity unto itself. It is a developmental ground for Nashville SC. And unfortunately, some, you know, some even some fan favorite um, types of players at that level are not going to be seen as having a future, at least not a near-term future for Nashville SC. And unfortunately, that is going to mean that some of these guys move along. So that's nine players uh, out of contract, in free agency, with options declined. Uh, if my count correctly, it might be 10, actually. 10 players. Uh, so there's opportunity, Tim. And we, and we talked about the fact, I've mentioned a couple times, I think we might see more roster turnover for Nashville this year than we have mm-hmm. before. I think we could be on the way to seeing that you're always going to have these, you know, spots 23 through 30 kind of churning uh, as you're trying to upgrade there. But when guys like Fafa are gone, Dax, Hawkinson, I think, you know, it's a chance. It's a big chance. And I want to ask you where the holes are now and where you think Nashville goes next. But want to flag something else here. We'd mentioned three guys as having team options uh, or being close to out of contract that did not anymore. And that's because Nashville presumably made deals during the season with Teal Bunbury, Dan Lovitz and Taylor Washington. And they're not obligated to publicize those new contracts when they make those deals. So we read those guys as being potential decisions to make that apparently those decisions had already been made. <laughs> yeah. They were they were uh past decisions that we just didn't know about. 
but there were two here that I thought might might be moving on. Uh, of course, Taylor Washington, you keep you keep as long as you can freaking keep him here for so many reasons, including on the pitch reasons, by the way. But you know, Bunbury didn't have the year I think that he wanted in his second year with the club. Uh, maybe thought that Nashville might have gone for another number nine here, but I guess again, replacement cost to do that <laughs> you're yeah. either bringing in a dp at that position or you're paying a whole lot of money or you use bunbury as somebody you can trade and somebody gets a valuable veteran you know asset uh lovitz as well somebody who has had four good years with the club i think this past year might have been the worst of his four uh, at least from the eye test just feelings ball there uh but he will stick around and two parts of the core of this club appear to be headed for another year with nashville SC. Yeah, and a big part of of what we don't know because um, any sort of uh, contract extensions that that had to have happened, or or maybe the MLSPA had their statuses wrong, but I I, I would think it's more likely that there was a contract that was just not publicized. Is um, those, those latter two guys are on pretty big budget numbers. Um, Teal are around four fifty, uh, Lovitz around five seventy. So those are guys that are making a, a fair amount of scratch. Obviously, there are guys that that have been very good players for Nashville. Lovitz, um, more longevity and and probably more consistency than Bunbury in terms of quality. But um, if if those contracts uh, as renegotiated mean either you know keeping that that salary number the same or or better for Nashville's perspective even even you know having to pay these guys a little bit less for future years it makes a lot of sense we talked about Bunbury as somebody that is a good number 2 and then you have a number 3 in Sibich coming up um if you have a, a good number two that's made that's making number one money which he is not the strikers and make a lot in this league so don't mm-hmm. don't uh, construe that the wrong way but if you have a guy that that you can count on to be a reliable number two who um is making the amount of money that bunbury does i think there's a really good chance that um you have roster budget to spend elsewhere um and and you know it might not be, be the the greatest uh compliment to teal to say yes he's a good number two and he doesn't cost a lot of money but Great teams are built with guys that are on reasonable budget numbers. So yeah, that's that works for Nashville. I think Lovitz has been more key to the project uh, over the four years than than some pe- some people realize. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if if he can keep his his level up. He's not he's not Zach McCarty age, and he's he sure as hell is not uh, you and me aged. But but he is a guy that's not a spring chicken anymore himself. So we'll see if he if as long as he can keep um, you know performing the way he has. As in the past, I don't think there's, um, you know, any any criticism of of extending Dan Lovitz's contract either. And then Taylor Washington, fan favorite, um, yep. the the lone remaining member of the USL club, uh, super good dude, <laughs> uh, nominated for the MLS Works uh, Award every single year for guys who work in their communities, um, and very deservingly so. Um, undeservingly has not won it yet in his four years, but um, a guy that um, we know very well that we that we love as a human being and 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 like him a lot as a player too. I have a favorite Gary Smith quote maybe ever was, you know, talking about you know different players and their mentalities on the training pitch and uh, and you know we said has Taylor ever had a bad day? <laughs> I think Gary said something <laughs> to the extent of like, uh, no, I don't think the good Lord would allow it. <laughs> um, but he also said he he answers to a higher power than me. So I never worry about Taylor because he answers to a higher power than me. So I uh, thought that was that was great. Taylor, lots of respect for Taylor and, and really glad to see that he will continue with the club. Not surprised by that a bit. So with Nashville's losses now, Dax McCarty, Fafa Pico, uh, a center back who never played because of injury in Depew, Luke Hawkinson, Ethan Zubak. Where are the holes now? 
And what should we expect then from Nashville the rest of this offseason to fill those and other gaps on this team? Yeah, I don't think there are holes like starting lineup type holes, which is good. Um, There are definitely some areas that can continue using upgrades, uh, whether that's depth, um, whether that's quality depth, whatever the case may be. Um, right back depth um, is something that Nashville struggled with this year. Basically, Alex Mwil behind Shaq Moore was the, was the only option. Um, that's not his natural position, to say the least. Um, with both Fafa Pico and Luke Hawkinson gone, secondary attacking options. Obviously, Hawkinson played a very small role, so his um, loss is kind of more lumped in with Fafa's loss than it is um, you know, notable in its own right. But Fafa provided something that that you and I clearly appreciate. We, we just talked about how much we appreciated Fafa. Maybe we feel differently than, than the club management does at the end of the day based on uh, um, letting him leave for free agency. But I do think uh, even if Sam Surge steps up, even if Hani Mukhtar continues being Hani Mukhtar, you need guys who can score from other positions. And um, Fafa Pico was that. Jacob Schaffelberg is that too, but you need more than one Jacob Schaffelberg. Uh, what if there were two Jacobs Schaffelberg? That'd be sick. But um, Nashville is going to have to get some you know, secondary, secondary scoring and speed uh, in the attack. Yeah, guys that that you look at when they come into the 70th minute chasing the game and say, excellent move, instead of, oh, he's not coming in. He's not coming in. Oh, no. What are we going to do? I think, <laughs> you know, that's that's where Nashville has to go. Uh, where is NSC set up to succeed then as the roster currently stands? Do you feel like this really isn't a good foundational place for them to to move forward and make some strong improvements? Yeah, I mean, it's the same team that it has been for the most part. Yes, losing Dax McCarty like kind of changes the fabric of the team, but this is still a group that revolves around Hani Mukhtar. It's still a group that has a strong backbone. Um, you hope that with a year to acclimate for Sam Surridge or you know half a season to acclimate for Sam Surridge, that can help the scoring. It's basically the same team minus one very important player, and and you do need to continue to add the depth that I just mentioned, but. The, the identity and structure of the team really don't change. If Hani Mukhtar is the identity of your team, you still have Hani Mukhtar, and, and that's the main thing. Um, Walker Zimmerman, um, you know, other talents along the back line, you have some of the same crucial pieces, and I think they're in a really good place to, to augment those with additions. All right, so let's go to the mailbag now, and Nick Poe asks a question that's key to Nashville's ability to augment. Does anybody have any idea how much camp <laughs> Nashville has? I mean, the short answer is no. Um, that's completely by design. Major League Soccer keeps that a secret. They want that to be kept secret. Um, it's a matter of competitive advantage in the global market, which sounds like the most horrible corporate speak sentence I've ever <laughs> uttered in my life. But um, if if foreign teams know how much money you have to spend, and some of it being non-literal money, but if they know what you can afford, um, they can... Uh, essentially kind of negotiate with a player's agent against you. They know how much you have to spend. They know what your salary cap says. They know how much, um, you know, they can go against in in terms of, you know, bonuses that you can't give because of how much general allocation money you have left. Um, So Major League Soccer wants to keep that a secret. It's not like the NFL where you are the only people on the earth uh, as a as a top level uh, league playing this game. It's not like the NBA where you aren't the only one, but you are by far the most lucrative one playing your sport um so because of that it's it's uh i understand why they do it it's frustrating as somebody who cares a lot about this i have estimated it in past seasons i've i've not updated the spreadsheet in a little while but um i'll say just kind of back of the envelope math there's every reason to believe because they didn't spend a ton during the course of last season that nashville sc has among the most uh general allocation money dollars in the league and that's really what's important um as you try and you know 
either use it to trade with other teams or as you try to use it to sign players, having more than anybody else gives you more um, negotiating power, gives you more leverage uh, within the league in terms of guys who want to play in Major League Soccer. Yeah, we've had Mike on the show, what, three times now? Two or three times. And, and each time he talks about each rec- roster mechanism, uh, not just as an asset in its own right, but in a way, as a way to to procure more GAM, because that is the currency. <laughs> that is that is essential. I think, you know, when you think of of Nashville's approach and you think of quote unquote money ball that has, a, it's, it's used as a pejorative sometimes, but I think Nashville's always going to have a strong savings account. They're always going to have mm-hmm. that, that good gam in place to, to be able to make moves and have flexibility to do things like the Lucas McNaughton trade in the middle of last season, when you had a, a third center back who all of a sudden couldn't play for you. Uh, so I think Nashville has the ability, but, but I think they have the ability to spend, but a lot of that game is going to continue to go toward buying down contracts uh, for players mm-hmm. who you know have high values. Uh, that's where you help yourself by moving Walker Zimmerman up to a DP role, so that game is no longer relevant to buy him down. Uh, yeah. It will be it'll be interesting to see how they're able to spend or how willing they are to spend. It'll tell us a bit about how expensive it is to keep that core uh, in place with those high salary numbers. Yeah, uh, and as 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 you talk about buying guys down, it is important. Um, shout out to allocation disorder. May its memory be a blessing. Yeah. We used to always talk about the the primary use for GAM is to buy down contracts, which it is a very important use. But it's a a dollar is a dollar. It's completely fun, fungible, fungible. I don't think I've said that fun, out loud. Fungible. Since, it's a yeah. Soft I don't. Gym. I don't think I've said it out loud since NFTs became a thing. But it's <laughs> um, that that dollar you can use to trade or you can use to buy down contracts. I think the way Nashville is looking to build going forward. Getting guys who are at the top end of the of the contract uh, scale, where you can buy them down to fit into your salary cap, makes more sense for how Nashville is currently constructed. They don't mm-hmm. need to use as much gam to trade for assets. They can use it to buy guys down and and, and say, okay, if we can't if we can afford a one hundred thousand dollar salary player, what if we could get a two hundred thousand dollar salary player? and use GAM for half of it and kind of fit him into our roster budget. That makes a lot of sense for a Nashville team that has returning players and just needs to get, you know, those next few pieces to get over the top. So that's the warning. That's the hot Tim winter warning then, I guess, right? Is if you see some, some, you know, non-sexy meat and potatoes roster moves to bring veterans in who are on somewhat higher budget values, think of those guys as direct replacements for second year players at maybe half the, the price that you, know, you you can spend more on good. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to spend 1.5 million to bring in Julian Gressel from Columbus. As great as that would be, uh, by the <laughs> way. Uh, so keep that in mind, folks. Is is and and Mike and I have talked about that offline too before. You know the importance of keeping the core together, and that it can be hard for a fan without access to the books to estimate exactly how much that takes, and it takes more uh, than you would think to keep a veteran core in this league. Uh, Nick podcast podcasters without access to the books too. just the greatest national shame that we have. If you're listening, Mike, <laughs> <laughs> let us on in. Um, Nick, I can honestly say, I know nothing about Drew Yearwood, but I'm choosing to be hyped about this. Do you know if there's any indication as to what we gave in the trade? Just money. Yeah. I mean, I, I uh, said something about this a little while ago in terms of if it was a player for player trade, it would have leaked out by now. Um, the fact that that Tom Bogert reported what he did, which is Nashville is acquiring Drew Yearwood without you know saying <laughs> saying what was sent in return, it kind of tells you kind of what his uh, lens into this trade is. My expectation would be no players, as I previously mentioned, but um, non-player assets 
It could be some of that gam, probably not a ton of it. It could be international slots. Again, we mentioned a little while ago, he doesn't require one. He got a green card this February. Um, and then uh, maybe even draft picks. I don't think Red Bulls want draft picks. They're not like Philadelphia Union where they're trying to unload them as quickly as they can, but they don't have a ton of value for them because they have a really strong academy. If Red Bulls were getting something notable, um, things uh, would have found their way into the into the world by now if it was something that Maybe. Red Bulls were really excited about uh, crowing about and, but couldn't officially say uh, on the record at this stage. So I do think it'll be more than a pittance uh, in terms of, of value, but um, GAM and maybe an international slot would make some sense to me. In mind, this is international slot season. Uh, Nashville rarely uses all of theirs, and we'll see what the market value for an international slot is this year. But I think, do they even have anybody other than Surridge right now? I can't even I, think. I don't think there are many uh, because so many of those guys, even if they're international players, have long since yeah. gotten their I think, green cards. I think McNaught. McNaughton requires one, even though he was a Toronto FC yeah, Academy guy. There was like a weird mechanism that was explained to us midway through the year when he was <laughs> traded for, but that that might be the only other one. There's that not many immediately to mind. Yeah. So Nashville can pick up around 250k a pop, according to last year's uh, market value of the international slots, and uh, use those to to subsidize trades as well. So that's a that's a great move. Um, it, it, hey, an immigration lawyer on your uh, on your club roster. One of the best assets. It's a big deal. That's 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 how Atlanta United was so good their first couple of years because they were flipping green cards like it was nothing. Um, like so yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, like Surridge is Surridge is the only confirmed international wow. slot right now. Wow. I think I believe I'm not positive that McNaughton uh, requires one. I'd have to go back and and you know read my own reporting from that time. And you mentioned, of course, that Drew Yearwood, even though he is English, does have that green card. That was a keynote mm-hmm. that you confirmed earlier on the show. Uh, Alan asking again, kind of what Yearwood's role with the club will be. I already asked you the question of whether you think he's a you know regular starter, more of a depth mm-hmm. guy. I'll ask you more of a how question. How does he get onto the pitch? If he is going to weasel his way into a starting role for this team, what is that? What does that role look like? Yeah, I think uh, if Nashville sticks with a diamond, there's an obvious role for Yearwood as as the right sided shuttler in that uh, diamond midfield. Uh, I think you can put either Godoy or Davis on the other side. Uh, if you want to put Godoy into kind of the Dax role as you want to save his legs now that you only have one of that duo remaining. Um, Davis is a little bit more of a natural holder just by style. Um, Godoy is also left-footed, so putting him as the left shuttler would make some sense there. But I think the diamond is a really good way to get your wood onto the pitch. But um, more likely, I think a, a, a really good three-man rotation with Brian and Nunga stepping in and, and you know being that fourth guy from the central midfield makes a lot of sense. Um, you can keep all of those guys fresh. Yearwood is only 23, I believe it is. So so he's he's got all sorts of minutes in him. You can have him be the backup for both Godoy and Davis and then, you know, get every third game as a starter in place of one of them. And I think you're you're keeping those guys fresh and and kind of setting yourself up to have uh, a full season of success as we saw the the drop off this year was something that I don't think anybody was really happy about. Last question that we have today from Stacy. Will Dax go the other way and retire a Red Bull? Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> you know, if you if you're worried about Dax McCarty's legs and maybe Red Bulls is not the place that you want to send him to play central midfield in. But one thing that I thought about is maybe go home, retire in Orlando. I think that would make some Nashville C fans kind of sad on the basis of it's their kind of arrival and knocked Nashville out of the playoffs this year. But um, he's an Orlando native. Um, I believe his wife, Jen, is, is from Jacksonville. So they're both from Florida, uh, although they met at North Carolina. Um, so it is a situation where 
maybe go home and, and see how many good years you can get um, close to your family, um, close, close to your parents, close to your brother and, and see if you can, um, you know, use the, the good vibes to, to extend your career. How uh, jarring would that be for Nashville? I would hate supporters? it. I would hate it so much. Oh, but yeah. I mean, he fit the Pareja system so well. Pareja yeah. comes back. I mean, he'd be yeah. just the most annoying player to have to go up against, which he's prided himself in for years. We just never thought we'd be in the position of seeing Nashville go against him. So oh, that would be quite the move, but it would fit. It would totally work if Pareja's back. Uh, all right. ML Rose. I teased earlier a celebration. Uh, 15 years. 15 years of ML Rose, and they're celebrating it this month with the birthday burger. All of their burgers, if you want actual beef and not impossible meat, which they'll also do, all the actual beef burgers are Porter Road. Fantastic, high quality. This one is a brisket beef blend, smoked cheddar cheese, bacon, barbecue mayo, and pickles. That sounds dynamite. Yeah, every time we talk about ML Rose food on this podcast, I'm like, man, I got to go now. <laughs> we have to cut this podcast short so I can go have it, but uh yeah that's that sounds really good you mentioned um you know the beef uh from the from the finest sources in nashville mm-hmm. yeah i'm uh, i'm looking forward to that one uh, also you can have that with the new ml rose owl lager a new house beer uh it's a a light draft beer uh that's my wording their wording is yeah that's right light pilster malt and german hops so a nice mm-hmm. light refreshing beer so one of those you could down 12 of and you know maybe not if you're walking home, you can die down 12 of those or Ubering and, and enjoy yeah, yourself. It'll take you, it'll take you 15 minutes and 20 seconds to get to Geodas park. <laughs> if you have 12 of those, what, what would be faster? The ability to down 12 of those or walk to Geodas park. F- 15 minutes. <laughs> you could have down 12 beers in 15 minutes. More power <laughs> to you. <laughs> I don't think I could. I'm just saying in theory, in the, uh, uh, the, what, yeah, what is the beer per, per minute? conversion rate maybe that's that's the question yeah with each additional beer does it take i mean when i when i uh post up at the bar at ml rose and and i'm just hanging out having a few beers it's like a maximum of or a a maximum rate of of like 20 minutes per beer three beers an hour i don't think i could if i wanted to (laughs) 12 beers in 15 minutes i will not try that uh, either for the record, but I could I could easily get a good four or five down per hour. I think when it's a light beer like that, it's, that sounds fair enough. Like a delightful plan, and I'm going to do that again. Uh, the The college bowl schedule is out. I've not had the presence of mind yet to sit down and find like the perfect sweet spot, which is like a Wednesday or Thursday 4 p.m. kickoff where you know we could meet up uh, friends at, at ML Rose and watch a game, uh, have a drink at kind of an off time. But we're going to do that here soon. I'm going to figure it out. And uh, let's make it happen and let's make it the most meaningless bowl game possible so that we have something to, you know, to enjoy that we wouldn't yeah, otherwise who's be UT playing. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Hey, we got you. We got your Iowa Hawkeyes of, of <laughs> Brian Ferentz fame. Um, <laughs> they almost scored against Michigan. They almost. Scored. No, not really. Not, no. Well, it wasn't that close. <laughs> they the almost hit the red zone. Once. Punter was exceptional. Punter was great. <laughs> Uh, let's go to the launch pad and go outside in quickly, and then uh, we'll head on today. A lot of Huntsville roster moves. Uh, in fact, only keeping four players who are on the Huntsville mm-hmm. roster. Ollie Wright, Isaiah Johnston, Fernando Cicerone, Azad Liotti. One note there, uh, Joey Skinner and Adam Sipic will probably play in Huntsville next year. They're on the senior roster, so they're still around. They, they were not uh, dispatched, but still, Tim, are you surprised to see only four of those, those guys back or is that kind of the way this thing's going to go with the next pro level 
Yeah, I think it's it's going to go that way a lot of the time. You see even popular guys who who uh, you know we've already mentioned Kemi Amish not not making the cut here. The guys who are going to stick around are going to be the ones that that either are um, you know the kind of maybe veteran hands that help your younger guys develop, or the guys that you think have a future for Nashville SC. And it'll be interesting to see as um, it gets it gets uh, a little bit filled out. Um, and, and the roster is more populated by guys who have come up in the NSC system, have come up in the academy. It might be a little bit more year to year consistency, but as things stand, it's a proving ground. You need to either show a bright future, at which point a guy might move up to the senior team and only spend one year in Huntsville anyway, or you fail to do so and you move along. I think keeping a core of solid futures stocks is smart here, but Nashville isn't going to keep guys around uh, if they don't think that there's a a functional role to play in the organization. And for the most part, for guys for guys in MLS Next Pro, it's going to be a future playing for the senior team. Let's head outside in. MLS Cup is set. LAFC beat Houston. Columbus with a, an epic comeback against Cincinnati. 3-2 in extra time that I'm sure no Nashville SC fan relished at all. I'm sure it was not at all <laughs> gratifying to see Cincinnati go up and then lose late. LFC Columbus, I think is a really fun MLS Cup matchup. I had Columbus yeah. as a as a team to beat in the East. LAFC is everybody's team to beat as the defending champ. This should be a really satisfying match on Saturday. And it's kind of funny because LAFC was uh like tactics FC under Bob Bradley and they have really become a bunker counter sort of team a mm-hmm. little bit. I don't think they would they would want to admit that. And then they're they're going against the team that is currently the Tactics FC uh, and Columbus Crew. It's it's a really good kind of clash of styles and almost opposite. I know, I know Trundolo was there last year, but it's almost a uh, a bit of a, a reversal of of what you expected out of LAFC last year to be the team going up against a team that that is expected to have better tactics than them. It should be a really fun match. All right, let's do some quick prop bets here. Over under three and a half goals. Which one you under. taking? Under under. Yeah, I'll go over. I think this seems like it, it could it could explode. So my scores early. I think this thing really opens up. I think there will be precisely three goals. Two one. Okay, mm-hmm. who's your winner? Col- right now, Columbus plus two eighteen to win. LAFC plus three ten. Extra time PKs. So basically, a draw plus three forty. Which one of those would you take? I'm taking. Well, I don't. I don't do money lines. I don't actually do betting at all in real life. I don't life, either. By I'm the taking, way, I'm it's taking just Columbus fun to talk straight about. up. Okay, I'm taking all Columbus right. straight up. I'll take LAFC on the road. Uh, Beer bet on that? ML Rose beer bet? Yeah, that's it. Deal. All right. Um, heads I win, tails you lose. Uh, goal, <laughs> game, game winning gold score then. If Columbus is winning, is this a Cucho, Cucho. special? Yeah, it is Cucho. All right. I'll go Denny. It's, it's like if, if Nashville was an MLS Cup, would anybody from a third party <laughs> podcast say somebody other than Hani? Absolutely not. Yeah. No, they wouldn't. I, I wanted to go deep. Cut, like Kevin Molino for Columbus. He's going to come <laughs> in and get it done. Two years after we even remembered they signed him. Uh, Darlington Nagby <laughs> would be awesome if he got the got the chance. What a glue player he is. Um, all right. So so you've got Columbus. I've got LAFC. You've got 2-1. I've got, uh, I'll say 3-2. 3-2 final. It's going to be fun. Might go to extra time to have to get to those five goals. But we'll see. Uh, one note uh, to close out. Uh, Matt Miazga suspended by Major League Soccer for three games for actions after the playoff match against mm-hmm. uh, New York Red Bulls. Um uh, this is pretty much the prescribed punishment for that exact action. Uh, and I just have to rant for a second that I, I guess I'm not surprised that his fans would defend him 
but uh, Matt Biasca got what he deserved. And I thought it was pretty gratifying and pretty funny. Number one, that Cincy fans were trying to cry foul on that and conspiracy and led by their manager. Uh, and number two, that without him, they have a defensive breakdown late against their rival to lose. And Matt Miazga, great player. His antics, uh, less than appreciated by Nashville supporters this year, uh, by Red Bull supporters as well. And uh, now probably by his own supporters, if they're really trying to be honest with themselves for at least a second. Yeah. And, and Matt Miazga kind of is who he is, which is which is a pretty good player. He's also like, you know, the the faults of his game are are known as well. He's about as fast as we are. <laughs> but but but, but yeah, when you don't have him, you feel it. And uh the reason you don't have him is is precisely in line with his known personality as well. So that's that's what you get. The the whole Matt Miazga experience all wrapped up in the playoffs for FCC. And the whole FCC experience as well at the end of the year <laughs> after they'd avoided that pretty much all season. And and you know, I got to say, love to Cincinnati for the year they had as well. It was mm-hmm. it was awesome. It was groundbreaking for them. And uh, they'll be back and be a threat again uh, next year as a result. Uh, final whistle, Tim, what you watching any reading any any good content, Rex? I've got one if you don't. No, I uh, I was trying to come up with one before we started recording today. I'm reading a really Actually, I'll admit, quite boring book about the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. It's called Hellhound on His Trail. Okay. Um, I'm like two thirds of the way through it. At this stage, I do not recommend. So, so if you were looking for a recommendation, that is a non-recommendation, I guess. Maybe it'll okay. get better. Who knows? We'll stay away from that one. Update us if it gets good, though, by the way. Um, I'll go with one. I shared it on Twitter as well. December 1st, when the um, signing of Yearwood uh, uh, was, was reported preliminarily by Tom Bogert. A good profile piece in 2021 by Ryan Baldy, a BBC sport writer, about uh, the background of Yearwood. It was written right after Red Bulls lost to Philly in that epic uh, stoppage time or extra time match in 21 in the playoffs. Good profile of Yearwood finding his way through the Arsenal Academy from ages 7 to 11. So Drew Yearwood's a gooner uh, all the way up through the lower ranks of English soccer all the way to Brentford and then of course across to the United States. He got here during the pandemic and you know mm-hmm. of course all kinds of challenges there. So it's a good profile. Good read Ryan Baldy the writer. Just go back to my old tweets. That's something I will never <laughs> recommend you do, but in this case I will. Uh December 1st, maybe I'll uh, I'll blast that out again as we uh, promote the show just so you don't have to go through my cesspool of University of Tennessee uh college football <laughs> playoff and a little bit of soccer tweets. Uh Tim, what else you got before we uh, split today? Nothing. Uh, doing, uh, getting back to a little bit more of the writing on the site. I, I know regular listeners probably have noticed that it's been mostly the podcast for months now. But uh, doing, getting back to doing a little bit more, I'll have a little bit more on Drew Yearwood, and I'll, I'll probably be linking that piece as well uh, as I as I kind of break down what Nashville will be getting in here. Looking forward to taking a look. Uh, you also had a blurb on the roster decisions and some analysis there. So uh, if you want to read that, folks, versus hearing it here, get a little more detail, you can uh, you can do that as well. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. A reminder that we shared at the beginning of the show as well. Rate, review, subscribe, share this show with a friend. Follow us each on Twitter. Thanks to ML Rose for the delicious birthday burger. 15 years of operation there. That's incredible. Thanks to Moon Taxi for the music. 440 Sports for the microphone. And we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>